Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Our next guest used to work for the Trailblazers. He's now the host of a successful podcast, Sports Business Radio. Brian Berger interviewed Adam Silver on his latest episode. He's got Greg Sankey coming up on the next episode. We're going to talk to him all about it. But Berger asked Adam Silver the the $3 billion question. He asked him what's going on with the ownership situation in Portland. Here's Adam Silver and Brian Berger. I, I have no better sense of a precise timing there. I think Paul's directives are clear. His estate... You know, led by Jody, Allen is the trustee, are con- currently in control of the team. I think in fairness to Jody and the basketball people around her, they very much have a vision for building this team and whether they were controlling it for five more years or ten more years, I think the team is on the right path to developing. And so, you know, some some necessary rebuilding, we've seen that in a lot of organizations around the league, but I'm still very optimistic about the future of the Trailblazers. Giddy up, let's get this done. Let's get this franchise in someone else's hands. Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, joining us now. Uh, what was that? What you know? You've interviewed Silver. You've interviewed David Stern over the years. Well, how was that for you? It's great. I mean, you're tapping into some pretty brilliant minds and people who have built global brands. And um, you know, I had to ask that question while I had it. Right? Like that's the question everyone in Portland wants to know. It's a question a lot of people around the league wanted to know. I could have followed up and pressed harder, but I didn't have, you know, a tremendous amount of time with Commissioner Silver. And, um, you know, I wasn't going to get into a, a debate with him about Jody Allen and the state of the Trailblazers franchise. But, you know, I feel like to my audience, my sports business radio listeners, I did owe them that question. And I also asked about Mark Cuban. And, you know, Adam was a little bit more forthcoming with his uh, answer with Mark Cuban than he was about Jody Allen. Yeah, what do you make of Cuban? And we'll get back to Allen here, but what do you make of Cuban saying, you know, is he getting out while it's good, and does he see something coming, or is he just sort of want something new or not have the energy for it? What, what, do, you, what do you make of Cuban's move? I don't know. I mean, I've had Cuban on a few times, too, and, and it's really curious because – um, you know, you've got the new NBA media rights deal that's going to come at the end of the 24-25 season. And gambling is not legal right now in the state of Texas. So you're talking about building a new arena and a casino and this whole district. And, you know, does he know something that we don't know that they're going to legalize gambling in Texas in the next couple of years? If he knows that, then this move makes a lot of sense. Uh, short of that, it is a little bit curious as to the timing of, of that announcement. We're talking to Brian Berger, Sports Business Radio. The Jody Allen question, you know, I know why it's important, but I want to hear from you. You've worked for that franchise. Why is it important that the Blazers eventually end up in the hands of new ownership? Well, I mean, if you heard my question, if you go back and listen, like I said to Adam, she hasn't made a statement in five years since her brother died. We have not heard any vision that's being shared. We don't know what the future plans are. We don't know, you know, what 
is going to happen with the arena deal, which is up in the next two years. So, you know, there's a lot of unknowns, and I think any time a pro sports team owner doesn't come out and, you know, at least once a year give a State of the Union and, and share the vision with the fans, it, it leaves them wondering. And it's been five years here in Portland since we've heard from, you know, the people at the top about what the direction of this franchise is, not only on the court, but, you know, with the arena and, and you know, beyond that arena deal. Brian, the NBA as a whole, they're trying some new things. Obviously, this mid-season, uh, in-season tournament has uh, been met with some positive reviews. In the Suns-Laker game last night on TNT, averaged about 2 million viewers. That's up almost 90% versus last year in the comparable windows. Um, is, the, is the tournament a success? What is the, how is the NBA doing? It's a huge success. I mean, look, the secret with the NBA has always been before Christmas, no one really cared about the NBA games. A lot of guys were on load management. All you need to know is two things. Number one, the players are taking this very seriously, and Adam Silver confirmed that when he was on my show. Like, they're, you watch some of these games, and they're playing hard. Like, it's, you know, NBA playoffs already. And then, you know, last month, was the highest attendance the NBA has ever had for the month of November in their entire history of their league. So those two things tell you that they're on to something and, you know, kind of the dog days of November, December, and the NBA are going to look a little bit different now because they've got this in-season tournament, which, you know, the players seem to be embracing and, and motivated to play a little harder for. Yeah, and I think, you know, the NBA had to do something with the early part of the season. It just... It just was such a lull and, you know, didn't feel like it mattered that much. We're talking to Brian Berger, Sports Business Radio. Adam Silver's leadership versus David Stern's leadership. You knew both. You've interviewed both. How do you see those two things? They're so different. They're so different. So David, I think, was the perfect commissioner at the time that he was commissioner. So he was commissioner 30 years. He came in in 1984 the league didn't have its games on live TV. The NBA Finals were on tape delay, the Lakers and the Sixers. There were drug problems. You had bad owners like Ted Stepien where they almost had to take the Cavaliers away from him. I mean, it was a mess. And he came in, and when they needed a strong leader and someone who kind of the buck stopped with him, that was Stern. And, you know, everyone was kind of afraid of Stern, the owners, the players, the coaches. They knew he was the top dog and that he was in charge. Adam is much more collaborative. Um, he's really embraced the players' union. Um, I think he's a great commissioner for this time that we're in right now. I'm not sure David Stern's iron fist would work today, but Adam Silver is the perfect commissioner for the NBA at this time. But they're very different people. Media rights deal for the league is coming up, and – I think we all expected there would be a windfall there, but some of the sports business writers are pumping the brakes a little bit, going, you know, we, let's let's wait and see. What what do you make of that landscape right now? Well, so the number one question I asked Adam Silver about the media rights deal was, would the NBA take an equity stake in a broadcast network or a streaming platform as part of their new media rights deal? And he said, sure. Everything's on the table. So that tells me maybe the cash isn't as great as they thought it would be, but an equity stake in a Disney or an Amazon 
or one of these other streaming platforms, that could be appealing to the NBA. But, you know, overall, John, the media rights, you know, there's only so much money out there. And the regional sports networks are dying and going bankrupt. And, you know, even the ESPNs and Foxes of the world, there's only so much money to pay for all these media rights. So it's really about the timing and, you know, how much money these platforms have to spend on live sports. Yeah, and I think, you know, the Pac-12 conference found out a little bit about the market. It can be tricky. It'll be interesting to see, you know, the Blazers' sale and the timing of the Blazers' sale. If Jody ever lets it out of a stranglehold, what does that have to do with the TV deal and and whatnot? Um, hey, i I got to get your brain on this because you're a sports business guy. Oregon State and Oregon are going to continue the Civil War series. It looks like uh, they will. Uh, Oregon State will get home games against a Power 4 opponent. Oregon will get to uh, fill its stadium and make its season ticket package look a little better every other year. How do you read the continuation of the Civil War football game from a business standpoint? I think it's great. I mean, there's no real downside to it. It's a, it's a longtime rivalry. The fans wanted to see it continue. Um, you know, I think other than the most recent game, which was kind of a dud, it's always been a pretty exciting game. So I think, you know, the networks will be excited to cover it. So, yeah, I think it's great, and, you know, I wish more uh, teams kept their rivalries alive. I mean, we're going to see some of these rivalries die with all of the realignment and the shifting of conferences. And um, so I, I give a lot of credit to the ADs at Oregon and Oregon State for keeping that rivalry alive, and, and really that's what the fans want at the end of the day. Brian Berger, Sports Business Radio, is our guest. Hey, Brian, the, the uh, college NCAA president, Charlie Baker, came out, wrote a letter basically saying, hey, you know, maybe we split away the top schools that can afford to pay players. Uh, Greg Sankey today coming out and saying, you know, you probably uh, should have floated this idea to us earlier so we could check with, you know, our presidents. Uh, you're going to have Sankey on your next episode. What do you want to learn from Greg Sankey, SEC commissioner? Oh, my gosh, so much. I mean, you know, I think TV drives everything right now, as we were just discussing. So, you know, I'm interested in the college football playoff media deal that still needs to be hammered out. Remember, there's going to be expansion from four to 12 teams. Um, to me, the SEC is the dominant conference, top to bottom, in college sports. Um, you look at even, like, LSU women's basketball is super relevant. So um, there's a lot of things, but, you know, this this free agency that has hit college sports. I mean, people are calling it the transfer portal. You might as well just call it free agency because that's what it is. You may see quarterbacks playing at four different <laughs> schools in four different years. I mean, they're going to go to the highest bidder every year. And who can give you the most money and who can market you the best? And, I mean, it's just crazy. But the SEC, to me, is at the epicenter of all of it. That is the big boy conference, and, you know, that's where the main – when you look at the professionalism of college athletics, it all started in the SEC with Alabama and Georgia and LSU. Give me an idea, because there's part of me, Brian, that is lamenting the loss of college athletics as I knew it. Simultaneously, I'm going, yeah, I understand. Players should share in the financial success. Is there a happy ground? Is there a happy medium for me in that in that argument? I don't think so. I mean, I've been saying for 10 years on Sports Business Radio, we turn 20 years old next year. 
for 10 years I've been saying college sports is going to get to a professional level. I mean, you look at the facilities like University of Oregon and Alabama's, and, you know, now you've got NIL. And I've said for years college basketball and football should break off and be their own entity, and everything else is its own entity. And finally, we're kind of seeing that, where the two biggest revenue drivers, basketball and football, are driving everything else. And I'm not saying it's a good thing, because you look at, like, University of Oregon women who are suing the school because they're not getting nearly the, the same treatment that the men are getting. You're going to see a lot more of that in other schools and in other conferences. But uh, I think the ship has sailed on – you know, this is college sports, rah, rah. This is now full-blown professional sports. Rashid Wallace gave an interview on a podcast and complained about being in the fishbowl of Podunk, Portland, and playing as a blazer there. Um, I push back on that. I mean, there have been some cases of athletes who have taken advantage of that fishbowl. What do you make of Rashid Wallace in coming out, you know, 20 years later? I mean, I don't know. I think Rashid had a good time when he was here. I was around him a little bit. And, you know, I worked with Brian Grant, and Brian Grant still lives here and loves it here. And there's a lot of players that have played here that, you know, have returned here to live or, or still like it. Um, I do know it's not the most, it's not the most diverse town, um, and it's not the biggest town. So, you know, sometimes during the off season, the players want to go live in their hometown or live somewhere else. But you know, I think Rashid was fine when he was here. It's always interesting when people look back 20 years later with revisionist history, right? Yeah. Do you think he got treated unfairly? Let's, you know, was, did the media nitpick him or was he treated fairly? You were around. Yeah, I think he was treated fairly. Uh, you know, he had been in Philadelphia and North Carolina and all these other markets. And, and this is a pretty soft market, in my opinion, when it comes to the the media. So I think he was treated fairly. I think that was an interesting team he was on because they were high profile. Um, and then, you know, towards the end, they were the jailblazers. And, you know, there was a lot of uh, stories written about the dysfunction of that team. Heck, Terry Eggers, I think, wrote a book about it. So, you know, when you're on that kind of a team, they're going to get that kind of coverage and, and people are going to look under the, the sheets a little bit more. But, uh, you know, I think he was treated fairly for the most part. I think, you know, I love Rashid, and, you know, I saw a side of him that most people don't see. He was a great dad and just a fun-loving guy. I've seen him, like, do cannonballs into the swimming pool. But, you know, he was a little ornery when he was a player and, and around the media. I, uh, I keep thinking about the generation of players that are coming into the game now and how much more they understand their own brand. What do you think young players across sports know now that maybe 10, 20 years ago they, they didn't? Well, I think they know that, you know, everything they say and do is under a microscope, you know, and everything they post on TikTok or Instagram, you know, it's not just you're doing your media interviews after practice or after a game. Everything you do is scrutinized. And some use that to their advantage and, you know, you look at someone young like Scoot Henderson and, and what he's doing, and he's got shoe deals, and, you know, he, he's really trying to uh, embrace all of that. But, you know, with that also comes a lot of scrutiny because people are watching your every move, and, and that's where 
a city like Portland can become a little bit of a, a fishbowl. You know, a lot of the stars don't mind playing in L.A. or New York or Chicago because you can kind of get lost amongst the other stars. Here, you know, this is a big deal in town, so you do attract a little bit more attention than you would in a, in a major city. You've been at it a long time with Sports Business Radio. I know when you started, did you have any sense that it would get to this point? You'd be interviewing Adam Silver and Greg Sankey and others in, in, in multiple weeks. I mean, it was my dream, right? My first guest was David Stern, so that was a pretty good way to get off the ground. And, and you know, David was a mentor to be in, did me a favor by being my first guest and helping us have some credibility. But, yeah, I mean, John, I'm lucky. I get to peek under the hood every week of some of the best sports organizations on earth. And, you know, you get to hear from the brightest minds and why these people have made the decisions they've made and the path they've taken to success. And, um, you know, I'm lucky that I have the access. But if you had told me back in 2004 that I'd be doing this 20 years later, I might have just laughed at you. So I consider myself lucky, and I hope I'm doing it for 20 more years. Like you, you know, I'm curious about people, and everyone has a story, and everyone has a path to get to where they've gotten to. And, and I think it's interesting to, you know, find out people's stories. Give me an idea, when you're peeking under the hood at some of these great franchises, do you see common themes that you could say, that's the mark of a champion? Well, I've always said, it, you know, if you're drawing a straight line down, it's owner, it's GM, it's head coach, it's star player. If you have alignment with those four, you're usually going to have success. If you don't have alignment with all four, it might be a little bit bumpy and it might be downright ugly. But to me, you know, there's alignment with those four positions and um, everyone's on the same page. They're all rowing in the same direction. And, you know, that seems to be the, the common theme. The other thing I would tell you is you hire good people and you let them do their job. You don't micromanage the good organizations. Hire good people, people who know what they're doing, and you let them do their job. Give me an idea. You know, I'm watching the College Football Playoff Selection Committee in a terrible position on, you know, over the weekend. They emerge, they've left out 13-0 and Florida State. How bad is that for the postseason, for the game of football? And, you know, Florida State feels robbed. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not great for them. You know, they're going to expand to the 12 teams. But, you know, when you created this, format that they have right now, you know there were five Power Five conferences and there's only four slots. So didn't you know at some point this was going to happen? And yes, I realize Texas and Alabama have a loss and Florida State doesn't. You know, you could analyze it 25 different ways. It's not a great look, but I'm not surprised that this was bound to happen at some point most likely. Brian Berger, Sports Business Radio. Grab his latest podcast. It's Adam Silver, Greg Sankey on the horizon. Berger, tell people where to find the podcast. Sportsbusinessradio.com. We're on Apple, Spotify, and we've even got a YouTube channel if people want to watch our interviews. Love it. Berger, thank you, man. Thanks for joining us. John, happy holiday. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. You bet. There he is, Brian Berger. Former public relations guy with the Blazers, now hosting Sports Business Radio. Um, you know, I saw that side of Rashid that was likable. 
I'll tell you this. I'll tell you a quick story before the commercial break. When I went up to Sheed and I said to him, hey, I'm brand new. Uh, I'm a columnist. I'm new in town. Shook his hand. You know, I had other media members watching me from across the room expecting Sheed to, like, threaten to punch me or get away from my locker and all that. And he didn't. He turned and we talked for a while. And I said to him, you know, he said, I just want to be treated fairly. And I said, I'm here. I said, if you do something bad, I'm going to write about it. But, you know, uh, you do something good, I'm going to write about that, too. And and uh, and I said to him, hey, Sheed, you know, I heard a story about you. I heard a story that, you know, you were really good at something that was surprising at North Carolina. It was artsy. And I can't remember who told me or what it was. And I kept, I don't know if it was music or painting or cooking or something. It was something different. Do you, what was that? And he said, uh, he looked at me and he was like, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. And uh, All right. No, anyway, nice to meet you. I walked away. So for a few weeks, I would walk by Rashid Wallace at the, what was then the Rose Garden Arena. And I would say, was it theater? And he'd go, nope. And, you know, and then I'd walk by him another time. Cooking? Nope. And then I'd go by, do you play the violin? Nope. And that went on for several weeks. And I got a little rapport with him. And he actually talked for a while after games. And he would give a quote here or there. And we were developing a little trust. And the Blazers got to the, uh, got to the playoffs against the Dallas Mavericks, you may remember, in the 2002-2003 season. And the Blazers team playing on the way to Dallas I don't know if you remember this, Stephen. It got hit by lightning. Like, you think about like how like poetic that is. The plane got struck by lightning. The players were all buzzing about it. And so at the shoot-around or after a practice in Dallas, I don't remember what it was. It was either between games or on the morning of a game. I said to Rashid, I said, what was that like? And he whipped around and he said, why are you always trying to write something negative? And I was like, I'm not writing about this. I just want to know what it's like to get struck by lightning. And he walked away. And then subsequently, after game two, they lost the game. I said to Rashid, they were down 0-2 in the series, can you go back to Portland and do this to them? And that's when he said, when I get back from the shower, you better not be here, I'm going to knock your head off. And I'll punch you in the face, or whatever he said. And I remember Brian Ficini, who was the uh, public relations guy for the Blazers, he was looking at me wide-eyed, and Zach Randolph was like two lockers away, and when Rashid walked to the showers, Zach Zebo leaned down to me and he goes, hey, when he comes back, you better have your head on a swivel. And I, I, I knew I had to stay there. Because after somebody says something like that, as a reporter, you're not going to like skulk away. Everybody's watching me. So I stood there. I never moved. And Rashid came back and he toweled off and he never looked at me. And I just, I waited for him to turn around. He never looked at me. He got dressed. He left. I left. And... Uh, later, Zach was like, you know, you, you, good thing you had your head on a swivel. I said, Zach, you're the guy who punched Reuben Patterson. What are you talking about, head on a swivel? Uh, Rashid and I were never the same. I don't know what I did. I asked him about the lightning. And, you know, best I can tell, he just had a hard time trusting and didn't like the media. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Baltimore. Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.